The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. I want to mention a great resource for writers, and this month's sponsor, Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. I'll expound later in the show, but the short version is this long-awaited book about the craft of creative writing from New York Times bestselling author Steve Almond sets out to debunk the well-meaning but misguided myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and most honest work. Pick up a copy today of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, wherever you buy books, more soon. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something special. Hey, just a quick note that this is a replay of an amazing chat that I had with super agent Lucinda Halpern, uh, president and founder of Manhattan-based agency Lucinda Literary, who gave us an insider's take on why literary agents can't just be deal makers anymore. And she's got a new book coming out in the beginning of 2024 titled Get Signed find an agent, land a book deal, and become a published author. And she's going to be coming back for a second part to her myth-busting book publishing episode. So I'm excited to be chatting with her early next year. So stay tuned for that one. And next week, I am hanging out with my old friend, Bad Penny, author, journalist, Adam Skolnick is back. What is happening, dude? Hey, good to be, be good to be back. Good way to my back. Is this... When is this? <laughs> what day is this? <laughs> Adam will be on the program next week to do a retrospective of really kind of the highlights of the last half of some Writer Files uh, episodes of 2023. We're going to be doing some hot takes. So stay tuned for that because Adam is a live wire and a, a best-selling author. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, which, <laughs> which is... Which, <laughs> Which is the title that I should go with? I'm going to go with Live Wire. Live Wire and bestselling. <laughs> I'm author. a Live Wire that I'm like the kind of Live Wire that uh, there's this weird pause in between uh, feedback. I believe that you have appeared on the show now ten or eleven times. We can't. We don't know the exact number, but this will be. what we'll just call it part twelve of Adam Skolnick's um, epic, epic journey. Yes, the venture inside my swirling head and we're both high on cough medicine so yes yes, yes, yes. One. this is the best i've sounded in weeks it is a personal mission of mine that has been since the inception of the agency to find the audience for writers like i do firmly believe that there is an audience for your story you don't have to be famous to publish. In the vein of, of myth-busting, I think there's just so much bad, bad advice and wisdom out there about what it actually takes to get published and also what the experience of working with traditional publishers is like. Greetings, scribes, and welcome back to The Writer Files. I am your humble host, Kelton Reed, wishing you prolificness, prosperity, and peace of mind per usual. President and founder, Manhattan-based agency Lucinda Literary. Lucinda Halpern gave me an insider's take this week on why literary agents can't just be deal makers anymore. 
Lucinda's a literary lecturer and PR agent with over 15 years' experience on both the corporate and agency sides of publishing. Specializing in books that change the way people work, behave, and live, she represents authors writing in the categories of business, health, lifestyle, popular science, narrative nonfiction, memoir, and upmarket fiction. Her agency, Lucinda Literary, boasts a roster of authors including New York Times bestseller Susan Pierce Thompson, Chris Bailey, Kate Flanders, Paul Jarvis, the new work of Nicola Krauss, and Jake Wood. Lucinda also shares publishing insights and motivation for writers, hosts both live and online programs for aspiring authors, and you can grab her free book pitch checklist, The Six Things Every Book Pitch Needs, at lucindaliterary.com slash subscribe, and I'll drop that link in the show notes as well. In this file, Lucinda and I discussed her mission statement, ethos, and the future of publishing, how good agents build lifelong marriages with their authors, why you don't have to be famous to get published, counterintuitive tips about the industry, the old-fashioned art of crafting a book, and a lot more. Stay calm and write on. And if you're a fan of The Writer Files, please click subscribe to automatically see new interviews as soon as they're published and leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts to help other writers find us. Greetings and welcome back. Yes, we are rolling once again on The Writer Files. I have an esteemed guest today. I've got the uh, president and founder of Lucinda Literary um, none other than Lucinda herself. Lucinda Halpern, how are you today? I'm great. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing okay. Thanks for asking. Um, I can't wait to pick your brain about all things publishing and the publishing industry and kind of get in your insider's perspective on uh, you know what, what it's like to run your own literary agency, of course. Um, how are you surviving there? I understand that you're in uh, Manhattan, right? I am in Manhattan. Um, I'm surviving because we had a good idea of getting a secret home office that my children don't know about. So it's literally <laughs> on our floor. It was a vacant apartment um, that became vacant during the pandemic. And I've turned it into lots of bookshelves, book posters, uh, room for Zoom. Um, it's It's been a wonderful home office. So we mm. are good. That's funny <laughs> that you could say that it's secret. A secret from the kids, kind of like a, it's a um, true New York story. You know, find space <laughs> wherever you can. <laughs> kind of like an escape room, right? Yes, yes. Exactly. Um, okay, I'm. I'm. For some reason, I'm picturing uh, Jodie Foster, but I think that was a movie. About, <laughs> uh, it was kind of a nightmarish movie about a. Uh, yeah, I hope uh, we're not thinking of the same movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, but moving on, um, I can't wait to dispel, uh, bust some myths with you about, yeah. you know, something probably every single listener uh, of this podcast has pondered at times. But yeah, let's talk um, kind of about your superhero origin story because uh, mm -hmm. you have worked, you know, you have this kind of circuitous route, but you've worked on both both sides of kind of the business. And, and so you've seen, you've seen lots of kind of the, the, you know, the moving parts. Um, you've seen how the sausage is made, so to speak. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. but yeah, talk a little bit about, yeah, you, just kind of the cliff's notes of your, uh, your origins as a, a publishing insider. Absolutely. So like so many of us 
who entered publishing. I was a creative writer who aspired to work in books for a living. And what I learned along the way, um, so I started out in the publicity department at HarperCollins. I had a brief stint managing musicians in New York. I moved on to Scholastic, where I was in their corporate marketing and sales division. And then I joined a boutique literary agency. And what I learned in throughout that circuitous trajectory, as you had said, uh, was I really loved the management aspect more so than the singular publicity or editorial piece. So I loved being invested in someone's long-term career and helping them develop their work from the ground floor up. Mm-hmm. So um, that's that's sort of what drew me to becoming a literary agent in terms of actually getting there, because so many people... I think I think it's one of those aspirational um, positions of getting to work with authors and develop their book ideas. I knocked down every door in New York City. I mean, I spoke with every agency, and I found the one that was willing to give a quarter life with no list and no guaranteed revenue a shot. Mm. Um, and I'm forever indebted to her. And through her agency, I worked with Gretchen Rubin, Bob Sutton, um, a number of terrific authors and and learned a lot and then started my own company in 2011. Amazing. And uh, it's been quite a ride for you, but um, yeah, um, you you specialize in books that change the way people work, behave and live. So talk a little bit about kind of um, your mission, kind of your mission statement, your Mm. ethos, and, you know, just kind of how you are now um, seeing kind of the, the future of Publishing post pandemic. So I'm I'm someone with a really optimistic view of book publishing from here. I would say that just as you uh, pointed out from our from our website, our authors are mission driven and we are mission driven. So our authors have really big, hairy, ambitious goals of doing nothing short of changing the world. Usually, their books are one piece of that puzzle. So it's you know a, a core, very important part of what they do. But they have courses or podcasts or sort of large online followings or television shows um, that are also sort of spreading that that mission. So I think um, you know we really because of the the mission behind what our authors do, we're living and breathing their material and their ideas twenty four seven. Uh, and I think that books remain, even in spite of the very crowded digital um, world we live in, a very important and influential sort of piece of, of that puzzle. Hmm. Um, I always say that when you when you buy a book, when someone makes the decision to buy a book, they are making an investment in their own self growth and learning. Like they are, they're ready to change their lives. They're ready to change their thinking and their behavior. That's very different than watching something on Netflix, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's different than consuming something on Instagram. So it's a, a physical experience. It's an intimate experience. And there's a commitment that that reader um, has taken. So I, I think that books um, still are the most powerful way to get a message across. Mm-hmm. And when you say books, talk a little bit about the delineation between, you know, just like paper books, ebooks, audiobooks, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because, mm-hmm. you know, I know that you deal in all of these things and um, intellectual property. But mm-hmm. y- yeah, I mean, is there, when you, when you kind of talk about how we absorb knowledge and, you know, when we come to books, 
you know, kind of what the state of mind that we're in, I often find that I can do different things, you know, listening to an audiobook than I can really focusing yeah. on a book before bed or, you know, taking notes um, on an author as I'm really absorbing something for literary purposes. Mm-hmm. So that's such a great question. Um, I would say that at Lucinda Literary and, and other agencies that authors might work with, we are looking at each of those revenue opportunities and also opportunities for, for getting a message across. So we it, it would be very common for us to speak with our clients about this idea you have is probably better for a podcast. This idea you have is great as an audi- as an audible original. This is something that should really be a book, an ebook, an audiobook. Um, and this is really something that should remain with your course. So it's it's ideally having um, a team or a partnership where you can make decisions together um, about what content is best and in what medium. Mm-hmm. from From the position of publishers, I think publishers love to have as many of those intellectual property rights. Um, as you described, right? So it's very common for the big publishers to uh, take the audio rights, the print, um, you know, the hardcover rights, the ebook rights, uh, and and they want ownership all, over all of that. Consumers are really listening to books, reading books on their iPhones or, you know, in their beds. They could be reading it in various formats and publishers want, you know, want ownership and want access uh, to as many ways that that book is being used. So again, all the more important to have an agent who's who you trust, who's saying, okay, here are rights that we're comfortable licensing to a publisher, and here are rights that we would want to reserve so that you have the freedom to do what you like with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as you talk about your passion for, and really kind of, uh, you know, e- eating, sleeping, and breathing uh, <laughs> your, your clients, um, and your authors, you know, talk a little bit about kind of beyond the deal making. And, and this is something that you've yeah. written about, you know, kind of why, again, why agents care more about, you know, writers and, and yes. maybe now more than ever, as you've kind of discussed. Mm-hmm. So this does, this is personal, right? This goes back to my own uh, sort of origins, getting into this business and caring so much about the careers of my authors versus anyone, you know, show they did if they were musicians or book they did if they were authors. Uh, it, it really, you know, it's so intimate for our authors and for so many authors. Having a book is like birthing a baby, right? Mm-hmm. So you, it really is that. Um, it gets that much care. It gets that much attention, that, that much investment uh, for a period of time. So it, it's so important to find someone that that cares as deeply um, as as the author does. Uh, in terms of post-deal, you know, again, this is not every agency and it's not every publisher, but I think you can find people who are invested in the long-term partnership, who are interested in that larger strategy you have, you know, mm-hmm. book one, book two, and book three, or what like what's what's the next project that you develop from out of this? Um, you know, agents again post the deal are doing a number of things. They're advocating for you with a the publisher. They are ideally sort of overseeing your marketing and publicity strategy. That's that's a sort of a specialty of ours. 
we, we have a speakers bureau as well, so we're active on the lecture side. Uh, we're increasingly interested in the podcast area. So, you know, how, how our authors are developing their IP for podcasts or what those ideas could be. And I think that there's just a lot of sort of trust and advocacy that goes on throughout the process that, um, you know, these are lifelong relationships. Like this is, mm-hmm. this is a marriage. So you really have to trust the person that you're getting into business with. And it's so much more than just making a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Earlier in the show, I mentioned an invaluable resource for writers. Truth is the arrow. Mercy is the bow. A DIY manual for the construction of stories based on three decades of writing, failing, and trying again. Author Steve Almond is a beloved professor at Harvard and Wesleyan and the acclaimed New York Times bestseller of 12 books of fiction and nonfiction. And in Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, Steve employs the radical empathy he displayed as a co-host of the Dear Sugars podcast with Cheryl Strayed, where they explored the joys and trials of storytelling to explode myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and truest work. The book includes chapters on plot, character, and chronology, but travels far beyond the earnest intentions of most craft books. It also includes writing prompts to generate new work. Pulitzer Prize-winning author Richard Russo called it one of the best books on writing he's ever read, and also the funniest. Pick up a copy of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories wherever you buy books, and add it to your TBR today. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders. And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, writer's happy hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join to get a preview, and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something cool and special. Keep calm and write on. That's really, it's really great to hear um, just kind of the passion that came behind it that you put into it. And it kind of, it just shines through, I think, in the work that you do. Um, Thank you. And you've had some, some really, really top-notch authors and obviously you're developing these relationships over time. But um, I, I know that it's not hard to find advice about, you know, what, you know, what do you do when you finish your book? And, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I think, you know, as you put it in the past, you kind of, you want to bust some of these myths about yes. not only why, you know, agents aren't just deal makers, but also talk a little bit about, I don't know if it's platform or kind of what you've talked about in the past about the things that are most important right now for mm-hmm. aspiring authors, um, you know, who are, who are really looking and ha- you know, maybe have something or that they feel is ready for market. What, uh, what you recommend kind of off the top of your head? I know this is a sprawling, awful, uh, way no. of asking. <laughs> no, this is, no, I, I love this question. And, um, I think Kelton, as you know, like we've developed a whole 
course and workshops program around it because yeah. it is a personal mission of mine that has been since the inception of the agency to find the audience for writers. Like I do firmly believe that there is an audience for your story. You don't have to be famous to publish in the vein of, of myth busting. I think there's just so much bad, bad advice yeah. and wisdom out there about what it actually takes to get published and also what the experience of working with traditional publishers is like. So happy to speak to that. Um, <laughs> happy to speak to that. <laughs> Thank you for rephrasing my... Yes, I, I think it's... Um, I think it's really important. So I think that what I can, what I can, where I can begin are the sort of top three mistakes that authors make when they query agents. Because again, without a connection to an agent or publisher, your chances are already so slim that it's so, so important to break through in that query letter. And we see a lot of query letters that sort of read like a, a very bad, um, 20 something, uh, you know, cover letter, right? Like my personal passion is, and like, <laughs> here's what I'm passionate about, but I, I care what you're passionate about. If you've proven to me that someone wants to listen, that someone is going to read that someone cares about your message. And yeah. for me as an agent and for those editors that I work with, um, that's not so much about size of audience as it is engagement. Mm-hmm. That's more about knowing who your audience is first and foremost, right? And what they crave from you, what they're clamoring for, what what, like, what is the book that you can uniquely write? And that's always just the best place to start. It's a very, it's a tall order. It's a, it's right. a tough question. But if you can really think about not what you're passionate about writing in, because many people are probably passionate about that subject, but more about what people ask you for you know, if you give talks or on social media, or even just in your in your conversations, like what are people asking you to write? I think that's sort of the most important uh, thing you can lead with: who you are and and who your audience is. Um, and then we see, you know, especially for fiction, we see a lot of query letters that are so lengthy on synopsis, but leave us with absolutely nothing memorable about the characters or the plot in a strange way, right? Mm-hmm. Like that seems so counterintuitive. But we've gotten this very flowery synopsis, but we haven't sort of heard the dramatic element, you know, the twist of what's going to happen or a character that sticks out to us as relatable or memorable or interesting in some way. Um, That's on the fiction side. On the nonfiction side, again, a lot of characterizing about the topic, um, but not here's the groundbreaking research I'm going to bring in or here's the myth I'm going to bust or you know, here's what's been said on the topic and here's how I'm going to say something new. That can be a really important sort of element to add. And then we see query letters that don't, um, you know, emphasize their marketing potential. So they don't talk about comps that are, Mm -hmm. that are, that are similar. I think from talking so much with writers as part of our workshops, like I understand there's a fear around committing to a genre or committing to a comp title because, what you're doing is so obviously different and new, but there's a saying in publishing that no, no book is a new book. <laughs> no <laughs> new book is a new book. So every, and it's, and it's similar in the music industry. So yeah. everything is sort of a unique novel twist on the old tried and proven. And, you know, so if you're not going to be relying on the huge Instagram following, can you talk to us about some titles that have been successful in your area and why yours is poised to have the same success? 
that that can be effective too for a query letter. So yeah, so I, I, I hope that that answers the question of how, you know, how to strengthen your chances mm-hmm. of breaking in. Yeah. And then, you know, if you want me to speak more to self-publishing, traditional publishing or myths about traditional publishing, I can I can speak to that as well. Absolutely. I'm sure that that's something that authors are curious about. Um, yes. Going, going it alone, going it on your own, doing some kind of hybrid right. thing, you know, paying money right. to have somebody right. publish your book in a... In a uh, with an ISBN or whatever that might look like. But yeah, talk, talk, talk about your take on it. So it's really so fascinating, Kelton, that this year during the pandemic, I found myself more in the chair of convincing authors why they need to traditionally publish yeah. versus self-publish. And I never thought I'd be in that position, right? It's like, wow, I have to pitch why you should work with a traditional publisher? Because, you know, again, the people who are coming to us have um, established audiences of credibility. You know, sometimes they're, they're PhDs and they're leading certain research in, in their, you know, they have, they have this sort of credibility behind them or audience behind them. And they're wondering what a traditional agent and publisher is going to lend to the equation. Yeah. And that's just been so interesting to, to hear. Um, and you know, and they're not wrong to ask. And I guess my answer to why traditionally publish in 2021, you know, editors still bring years and years, decades, sometimes centuries of working with books. So there's this expertise that cannot be recreated on the individual level. Yeah. You know, that's, that's one. The, the second most powerful reason is distribution. So if you're someone who's considering going the hybrid route or the self-published route, you really need to be aware of the fact that sheer distribution, like eyeballs on your book, visibility, is a large part of the formula for creating a successful book. Um, and publishers you know, provide that distribution. They have the bookseller relationships. They're getting you into airports. Like they're, they're creating that distribution vehicle. So... Those are the most, that expertise in that and that distribution are the most obvious reasons. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, you know, publishers bring you an assigned publicist, a marketing team, a professional editor with years of editing books. I mean, how valuable is that, right? Like someone who can take what you've crafted and make it so much, so much better. Um, That's so valuable in of itself, right? And then professional design teams and foreign rights teams and audio teams. So if you want that experience of, you know, really like publishing a book with a team behind you, that traditional publishing is still very much the way to go and still um, definitely has its value. If you are someone who is, really entrepreneurial and your audience is so huge that you know they're going to, you know, buy your book through whatever you do. Self-publishing could be could be a really viable thing for you, but be prepared to do it successfully, to invest a lot of money and to invest a lot of your time learning the business of publishing. Mm-hmm. You know, I also say that publishing is a long and winding road. It really is. If we have a, a wonderful success story I love to talk about um, by an author, Jane Allen, who successfully self-published a book called Black Girls Must Die Exhausted as part of a series. Mm-hmm. And she was such a marketing maven 
she did 50 book club appearances virtually while the pandemic was happening, right? Like nothing was going to stop her. And she just prepared to do this on her own because she really believed in the mission and of her, of her books and what she was trying to do, which in this case um, was to allow black readers to see themselves in a sort of like lighter, not race heavy, but equally deep thinking uh, sort of funny upmarket fiction. Like that, mm-hmm. that was her mission. Like, why does it all need to be sort of race heavy? She wanted to create something lighter and fabulous title, great writer. Um, she, when she came to me, I immediately took the conversation and we got her a four book deal with HarperCollins. Wow. And it's just proof that publishing is a long and winding road that if you give your all to something that you've even self-published or published with a small publisher, that big, big things can happen Hmm. to you. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think that this is going to be, you know, a bestseller when it comes out this summer, it will probably be a film that people will watch. Hmm. Um, And, you know, it just is one of those really special stories of um, there is, there is someone out there for, for your work, right? Like whether it's an agent, a publisher, um, it really always begins with the readers telling you. Like they that they want more of what you're writing. You know, I mean, I think a lot of what you're saying about the publishing industry is that this experience is, uh, you know, it can't be duplicated. And what that experience is, is really that it's a human business and that, you know, it's built on these incredibly... Um, important relationships you know i don't think yeah i don't think pub- the publishing industry will be outsourced to ai or automation anytime soon um because these point. these knowledge you know this knowledge and, and this creativity can't be duplicated um and these relationships can't be duplicated and i think that's a lot of what you're gambling with when you do you know go it alone or you know as, as you put it but um yeah did you want to just um I don't know, just uh, say one more thing about um, that, the importance of that. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, I think you've summed that up so beautifully. You're right. It is a human industry and it's, it's old fashioned in a beautiful way. I mean, I, I, you know, I think that again, people that I work with are still so invested in this art of crafting books and it's um, it's, it's really not for the faint of heart, right? Like it takes incredible time. It's very painstaking, but the rewards are so immense. Um, you know, again, to speak to the why traditionally publish or why publish at all, you know, you can reach people that you would never ordinarily reach through your social media or your inner friend circle with the book. So if you have something that you really want to contribute to the world, I, I just can't think of a better mechanism than a book to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the people that you'll get to work with along the way are really just beautiful intellectual people. Um, again, I, I love my relationships in publishing. I do very much miss the era of having mm-hmm. lunch with with editors. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if or when that is coming back soon. But um, you know, the silver lining of, of the pandemic is, wow, like we're, we're on Zoom having meetings with authors based in Australia, based in London, based on the West Coast in ways that 
were never foreseen when we needed to schedule and travel and and get to those meetings. Like so the the volume of ideas now, and people have had more time to sort of sit around and reflect, and they're not on the speaking circuit, they're not traveling as much. Yeah. So it's again, it's a vibrant time for books. It's it's a good time to get an agent's attention. It's a good time to to be pitching books to publishers. It's a good time to be meeting readers where they are, which is reading at home. So uh, again, I, I think I'm I remain such an optimist about this industry, <laughs> and you know I hope I do, and I hope that writers feel you know emboldened and empowered. To, to get their work out there and not sort of be scared off by the bad advice that they hear. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, that is an, is a heartening and um, really nice to hear, given what we've kind of all been through uh, mm-hmm. over the last year. You know, um, I'm sure that some you know, aspiring authors have been, or, you know, have just gotten a little bit of... Uh, exhausted or, or, you know, are feeling some malaise. Um, maybe they don't have the, the contact or, you know, they haven't been able to get out to the conferences and pitch and, um, hone. And, you know, I've heard, uh, some creatives even saying, you know, that it seems like a time, you know, where, where we've all reflected and, and had, you know, this ample space to create, but that a lot of you know, that there was, there's been so much anxiety and so much kind of, um, I don't know what the word is, it's just kind of trepidation in the air that it's been hard for a lot of, you know, creatives to you know, get into a, a, a flow state um, during the mm-hmm. pandemic. But, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've experienced or had conversations with authors who, are, who have things in the works. You know, sometimes I go back to um, this great book uh, by Betsy Lerner, The Forest for the Trees. Or she's mm. talking about kind of coaching authors through, you know, deadlines or, you know, having them work in a, a back office of, of their offices to meet a deadline mm-hmm. or something. And, you know, there's something so kind of uh, um, nostalgic about that time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Talk, talk a little bit about kind of your, your thought, your final thoughts to uh, aspiring scribes and just kind of like, how to keep yeah. going because this is something I ask authors all the time like how do how do we keep up how do we keep up our energy during times of you know times like this that are just uh, where everyone's kind of like uh, ooh, uh. Right. yeah I know I hear you so so I'm someone who firmly believes in accountability right like it, it takes a village to publish a book so if you have an agent that person can be your accountability partner like have that person give you deadlines if you don't have an agent have a group you workshop with that you zoom with like once a, you know, once a month to see where everyone is on their um, progress. Like we, we offer a writer's workshop like that. We have a, um, a Facebook group that has a similar function, you know, again, join communities where people are doing the same thing you're doing. Um, mm-hmm. I have another, I have another author I love, um, Brett Anthony Johnson, who calls it ass and chair time. You know, that's, mm. that's what this is about. Um, and we're all doing a lot of ass and chair time right now, right? Um, so how do you differentiate that from the rest of your commitments and your, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, burnout is real and the hours at our desks are, are real. But if you have those either blocks in your calendar, groups you meet with, agent or friend or family member who holds you accountable, 
you can you can get the book project done. You can get it off the ground. Um, so again, I really think it's about that accountability and and just know, you know, you shouldn't even try to do this alone. You should do this with someone holding you accountable. That's great. Well, I know that you share publishing insights and motivation at your on your homepage, LucindaLiterary.com. I will point at that. I will point at your Medium, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all the spots where you can connect out there. And um, yeah, um, you know, one of the one of the uh, probably very basic questions listeners might be wondering is, I know that you uh, represent authors who write business, health, lifestyle. Uh, popular science, narrative nonfiction, memoir, and upmarket fiction. But I'm sure uh, um, the guidelines for submissions are on your website. Is that right? They are. And if your listeners have heard me on this podcast and they want to go and query me, I suggest they say that because we do have a human person, not a robot, (laughs) (laughs) reviewing queries as they come in and um, it's not an algorithm (laughs) no it's not and if they if they get that sort of personal note you know it will make a difference in getting others at my agency to to look as well you know i i just yeah i wish writers the best of luck and uh i'd love to hear from them well we appreciate your your wisdom and uh all the best to you um during this uh you know we're kind of seeing some some light through the Yes. Through the trees or, or, you know, at the end of the tunnel. Uh, uh, and it feels, it feels good, right? It does. It really does. <laughs> have, a, have a wonderful weekend. Uh, do you have any, any, any fun plans? Um, you know. Get out of the panic room. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, right. Exactly. Um, you know, it, it is, it's, it's, it is what it is. But um, so much of I'm also married to a literary agent. You know, we, our our weekend time and our evening time is often spent looking at manuscripts, looking at proposals, and so reading yeah. is a, is our livelihood, right? Um, so yeah. beyond that, yes, we are starting to see people again, and New York City is feeling more vibrant than it's been in a year. So um, we'll be enjoying some of that outdoor energy. Spring is here, and it um, is. yeah, it's uh, it's a good feeling. Lucinda, thank you so much. Please come back, enlighten us more. Um, I know you, I know you offer lots of resources over there at your homepage. So again, drop into the show notes, listeners, um, for all the, the good links there. And we really do um, appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Kelton. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of The Writer Files. And if you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe to the show and leave us a rating or a review to help other writers out there find us. You can always leave a comment or a question and visit the entire archives at writerfiles.fm. And you can chat with me on Twitter at Kelton Reed. Cheers. Talk to you next week.